Welcome to the Cafe Medium Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Cafe Medium Podcast. I'm the host, Lathan Gorbett, and today we have a special guest who is getting ready to fight for the lightweight world championship in Bellator against Michael Chandler on June 24th at Madison Square Garden. He's uh, fighting on a stacked card that includes Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva, Fedor Emelianenko versus Matt Mitrione, and Lawrence Larkin versus Douglas Lima. He's a Eugene, Oregon native who also trains here in Portland, and if you've seen this guy fight, you know that he is a badass. So I'm definitely looking forward to this fight, and it was a pleasure to sit down and chat with him. For whatever reason, I thought that we didn't have as much time to talk as he later told me that he would have been happier to go longer, but we discussed having him back on for another more long-form discussion. But for now, I hope you enjoy my brief conversation with Bellator lightweight championship challenger Brent Primus. All right, Brent, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Especially last minute like this. You're <laughs> kind of all over the place right now, huh? Yeah, definitely everywhere, yeah. So you've got a fight, a pretty significant fight, coming up on June 24th, uh, fighting against Michael Chandler for the Bellator light heavyweight, or I'm sorry, lightweight belt. Um, I, there's a lot of interviews out there with you. Uh, I kind of want to focus a little bit more on you personally, rather than just because, I mean, people can go on and find out how you, know, how you feel about the fight coming up and, and this huge opportunity and everything. But being that you're from Oregon, you're a local guy. Um, I think a lot of I don't I don't think my listeners are necessarily filled with MMA fans, but I think that when they hear these kind of conversations with like uh, Mike Pierce and a few other people, that it it makes them realize how close they are to like these really world class people. So, definitely, definitely. So where how did you get into this as a sport? Just for, go from the very beginning. Man, the very beginning. It's kind of a long story. Like uh, I kind of got kicked out of my house when I was really young and I grew up fast, you know, I grew up really young and I uh, got in a lot of trouble and I think I had a lot of maybe anger deep down in me from, you know, getting kicked out and having my stepdad and my real dad. I never had a real dad. He was always been in prison my whole life. And um, anyways, I got kicked out of my house when I was like 13 years old and it was like, I was so young, it was hard to find a job. I remember putting applications into every place I could and nobody would hire me. So I used to work on the farms, picking berries and doing that for a while. And um, you know, it just wasn't really cutting it. And I, I remember one day I met up with some guy and, uh, he, you know, I started selling, um, marijuana a lot, you know, when I was really, really young and I had my own house when I was like 14 years old. And, um, you know, I had a lot of anger in me and, uh, I used to get in street fights almost like every weekend, you know, coming from Eugene, Oregon, and it's a college town going to parties. And I was literally getting in at least one or two fist fights every weekend. And, um, at that, at that time, you know, I was getting in fights and, um, one of my buddies, Ben Baxter, who's now my instructor, um, was like, man, if you're going to be out there fighting and stuff, you might as well make some money out, money in doing it. So he signed me up for a cage fight before I ever even trained at all. And uh, I remember I was about two weeks out of my fight. And uh, I was like, man, I'm just going to go see what this training's all about. And so I walked into a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. And, uh, you know, I went in there thinking I was going to beat up everybody, put a whoop down on all these guys. And I just got my butt kicked by all these guys, like, throwing their legs over my head and just choking me. And I it opened up my eyes, and it totally was a, a life changer. You know, I, I stopped drinking. I stopped partying. I stopped doing all that bad stuff. And um, How old were you at this point? Uh, this was actually I – was, I was 20 when I first started. So, you know, I was, like, living on my own for – until I was about 14 
to about 20, um, you know, selling a lot of marijuana at this time. I was making a lot of money at that, that age, you know, like having just parties at my house every night. Like I was still going to high school and playing varsity soccer and stuff like that, but I just didn't have, uh, you know, any parents to tell me I have to go to school, I have to do this. And, you know, and so it was, uh, it was definitely a, a crazy time in my life. And, uh, but the whole time as, as I was selling, you know, pot and doing all that crazy stuff, I always had a job. I was working, I was doing, selling P Persian rugs for a while. I was, um, you know, picking berries. I uh, a was doing contracting. Uh, uh, you know, I was doing just a lot of stuff. And then I was doing, doing uh, landscaping with, uh, I, I started landscaping for this one guy for like two or three years. And then he's like, I'm going to move to California. Do you want to buy my business? And so I was like, yeah, I really, that'd be awesome. I was really like doing the landscaping. So I got a loan. I bought his business. And for about three years, I was landscaping every day. I'd wake up at six o'clock in the morning. I'd get done seven to eight o'clock at night. And um, I loved it. And I was working, um, you know, all the time. And I hired a couple of my buddies to work with me. And I had the best clientele working on really, really big houses and uh, up in the South Eugene Hills. And um, so I was landscaping and that was my life at that time. And then, um, but at the same time, you know, I was still partying and drinking and just, just kind of being a dumb kid. And um, so I went into the gym and uh, realized that if I want to make it, if I want to be a really good jujitsu practitioner, that I'm going to have to do this full time. And so I quit uh, doing landscaping. I, I sold all my clientele. I sold all my business and uh, I started training full time. And then that's kind of where it happened, you know, and um, I fell in love with jujitsu and it, I caught into it so fast and started winning all the tournaments I could. And, um, you know, that was my life at that time is jujitsu. And then, uh, when I first saw MMA, like a long time ago, I thought it was crazy. You know, I was like, Oh my God, these guys are nuts. I would never do that. And then, uh, just doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it just kind of fell into that. And, um, you know, I started uh, doing MMA and then here I am now. Wow. And for those uh, listening, the background noise is actually some I don't even know who all's over there. Was that Ed Herman hit kicking pads Ian with Loveland Ian Loveland? Yep, yep. Um, we're over at Gracie Barra Gym in Southeast Portland, so that's the background you're hearing. Um, so y there's a few guys online where I, who I follow that just seem like genuinely nice people. There's a few that come to mind, but you're always one of them that I feel like everything you post is just is positive, and it's and so the 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 backstory that you give is very different than what. I see anyway, just from, from on social sure. media, is that, do you think that jujitsu is some sort of bridge for that? Oh, hundred percent. You know, jujitsu literally changed my life. Uh, you know, it made me, you know, I think something about bowing to your instructors and bowing to your training partners and uh, more importantly, bowing to your opponents, you know, it kind of humbles you and uh, makes you, you know, respect, you know, the sport and everything, you know? And so it definitely changed, changed that. But at the same time, you know, I was raised by a single parent, my mom, and I was a big mama's boy and, you know, she showed me nothing but love, and I think that I have a, you know, a big heart just because of that, you know, and uh, I have a huge family that, you know, supported me no matter what I did, and I think, uh, you know, nothing like family for sure, so. Now, is, is jiu-jitsu still the, the pinnacle of your, your game right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm always, I mean, mixed martial arts, it's a, it's a crazy sport, you know, it's an, always evolving, and there's always so much to learn, and, um, but. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was like my thing. It was my life, you know, um, and it always will be. But that's like, you know, probably, you know, what I feel most comfortable is on the ground for sure. But, you know, I train Muay Thai and boxing and wrestling just as much as anything, anything else right now. So, um, yeah, but always Jiu-Jitsu for life for sure. And you're 7-0 and professionally, right? And But only one of them is from knockout. Now, where's your, where's your uh, stand-up game at right now in terms of coming into this championship fight? 
Oh, I mean, I th- I think it's great. You know, um, I am training with such awesome guys up here at Gracie Baja, and I'm actually just started going up to Irvine, California, and training with Team Oyama and uh, Coach Oyama is an, an incredible stand-up coach, and he's been really working with me and uh, helped me get a good game plan for Chandler. So. I'm definitely going to be ready on the feet, on the ground, wherever it takes me. I'm going to be 100% ready for uh, that fight. Yeah, and can you tell me, so, so as a uh, spectator, uh, but, but kind of a mediocre spectator, I'm one of those that follow the UFC, but I have a hard time following all the other leagues. Um, but now I'm seeing, like, Rory McDonald, who's one of my favorite fighters, going over to Bellator, and mm-hmm. you know this li- long list of other ones, obviously. What's um, what's your attraction to Bellator? What do, you, what do you like about Bellator? For those who just follow UFC or you know just the big fights um that that UFC promotes can you tell listeners what you feel like Bellator has to offer that yeah you know I think Bellator uh I think they care about their fighters a little bit more I think the UFC they're just like monopolize the whole sport they they think that they own everything so I I think they can uh they don't really take care of their fighters as much because they just think that they own it you know and uh they think they're the shit really but you know Bellator I think really takes care of their fighters and um, you're seeing that right now, all these big names coming over from the UFC, and I think that sponsorship, the Reebok thing with UFC really is helping Bellator too. I think, you know, they're, they're just, uh, Bellator's, you can make so much money in your sponsorships and all that stuff, so, um, you know, Bellator's really, they've taken care of me, they're, they've always been good to me, and, uh, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah, and how long have you been fighting for Bellator? I think about four years now. Four years, and what was just to kind of go back a couple steps right before Bellator? What was what were you doing before Bell, right before Bellator, and right before that? Kind of where, where was that ladder? What's it that was kind of crazy, like? actually. Um, I was in, in Eugene, Oregon, and I, I got my black belt kind of early, and I had the toughest time finding opponents to fight. I literally had probably about ten fights that uh, people backed out on me, and so I literally was about to be like, man, I don't know if I can do this because. I just keep on training for fights and people would back out and back out and it was really hard and uh, you know thankfully I, I was blessed to have Bellator take a chance on me when I was only two and zero and um, you know thankfully they did and it was a it was an awesome thing for sure I was definitely really happy to be with Bellator. And uh, so you're definitely known for your work ethic. That seems to be something that people talk about quite a bit. And I, I listened to another podcast, and you were talking about your morning and your afternoon routine. Not to just kind of jump through this, but um, I know you're kind of limited on, limited on time with your, with the, your, all your training and everything. But um, what, uh, what's that look like? I, I, was, I, I heard it recently, but I want people to hear, like, what exactly it takes, you know, what kind of effort you're putting into your Yeah, your, it all game. started, like, a long time ago. Um, you know, I got kicked out of my house by my stepdad when I was 13 years old. And uh, he used to verbally say stuff to me, and, and, you know, I had a lot of deep-down anger in me, and I got kicked out of my house. And, you know, when I was young, I think I was like 13, I started doing 1,000 push-ups every morning, and I was doing 2,000 crunches and, uh, you know, 1,000 pull-ups. I was just doing, working out like crazy. And uh, in the back of my head, all I wanted to do was just get strong so I could beat up my stepdad. And it sounds kind of crazy, you know, but um, that's where it kind of started. But, you know, I have a routine that I do no matter what. Um, training I get up in the morning and I do 250 pull-ups and you know 1200 crunches and then at nighttime I do 150 jump squats and 500 push-ups and another thousand crunches and that's um no matter what I'm doing I do that you know I don't like to leave the house without doing my pull-ups I kind of feel like a sissy if I do you know but I just kind of built that into my routine and um even on vacation if I go to Hawaii or Mexico or anywhere you know I bring my pull-up bar I bring up my push-ups and um it's just something that I've done for a long time and uh you know and uh yeah and do you think this kind of training, uh, you know, people who run marathons and things like that, they, they do it because they love it, but they know that it's going to, it takes a toll on the body. And, and I have to think that this sort of training takes a toll on the body. Do you feel like it's keeping you younger or do you feel like it's, 
I mean, what, what's your, do you, do you feel like there's sort of a, uh, yeah, it's like a fine line right, right there, you know, like I do feel, you know, like compared to all my buddies that are 32 years old or 30 or whatever, you know, I'm in way better shape than them. Um, I feel good, you know, mentally and physically, but at the same time, you know, I have a pretty big medical bill and I've gotten a lot of injuries, but at the same time, and I feel great, you know, I can go run five miles, do sprints, do anything right now, you know, so I really feel like it's kept me young and kept me in shape and, you know, I, I love the sport. I love to be challenged, and there's not a better sport to challenge you than the MMA. And you, do you have a, f- a family? Cur- you have a one kid already, right? No, I. Oh, uh, you don't. You have your I got first married last year to my beautiful wife. Oh, okay, and we're pregnant okay. right now, so uh, we're, I'm expecting our kid on August. Your first 13th. kid. Yep, oh, our first man. boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that video on uh, on Facebook. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, you look super stoked. Yeah. Uh, now, how does this? Does that change the game for you at all? Getting in psychologically? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, like when I was younger, like I remember going to sports events. I was playing sports my whole life. And I remember all my friends have their dads with them and um, going to the sports and, and helping them and teaching, fishing, just doing everything, you know. And, and I could never really talk about my dad with, like, honor. And I never – I was embarrassed, you know, of, of, of talking about my dad. And uh, one thing that I want my kid to be able to talk about me and, uh, you know, with a smile and a happy face on me. You know, I want him to be proud of me, you know, so – I, uh, and I think that's going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm going to be an awesome dad just because I never really had that. And not only that, like, I want to teach my kid that you can do anything, you know. You can be a professional, anything. You can do whatever you want. And, um, you know, that's what uh, my goal is for sure. Yeah, I bet you can't wait to get him into martial I arts. Cannot huh? wait. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot yeah, I, wait. I have to wait. I just had a, I have a 10-month-old or 11-month-old now. Oh, congratulations. And thank awesome. you. Thank you. I have a 17-year-old as well, but I didn't get her started early enough. But my 11-month-old, it's going to be gymnastics and jiu-jitsu as soon as possible. I did gymnastics too before I started doing all that stuff. So, yeah. And yeah, I have a couple uh, jiu-jitsu te- uh, trainers that, that say, you know, just hold off till she's four. Just, you yeah, know, and I'm like, sure. oh, I just want her at least <laughs> tumble around and just feel yeah, the mads yeah. and things like <laughs> I'm that. I'm going to have my kid <clears throat> doing arm bars around like one or two. So, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, when you when you get in and you think about the people in Eugene, your local community, Portland community, does do you do you feel like you're representing Oregon, or do you feel like that that's kind of gone once you step in the cage? Do you have this sort of Oregon Oregon pride? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I'm I'm I love where I grew up. You know, Eugene, Oregon, and Portland, Oregon. I um, you know I feel like I have a big fan base too, and um, you know I always will consider this home no matter where I go. I'm training in California a little bit for this camp, but uh, you know Oregon is definitely my home and. You know, in Eugene, Oregon, there's not too many fighters that uh, are professional fighters that are there that are, you know, make it in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, I feel like I am and I'm, I'm proud of that. Nice, man. Well, I, I know you don't have a, a ton of time and you did this last minute, so I appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you want to say other than uh, I'll put it in the outro or the intro and all that kind of stuff about, you know, I'll, I'll put links to everywhere people can find you. But um, is there anything else that you want to lead people to that I may I may miss? Um, You know, just uh, not really just, uh, you know. Watch me on pay-per-view on uh, June 24th to win that belt. Um, you know, it's going to be a good fight. Uh, me and Chandler are going to go to war, and um, I'm, I'm expecting to be walking out of that cage with uh, the light well, white t- lightweight title. And based on his uh, fight game, how do you expect the fight's going to go? Man, I've been, like I say, uh, I'm a mental case. You know, I like uh, the fear of losing all that stuff drives me to do crazy stuff. You know, I'm training my butt off right now. And, um, you know, Chandler's a, a tough dude. He's a beast, and... I, re- I respect that him. I respect anybody that's in the game. I know what it takes to be in this game, and not only that, just to be where he's at. And I know he's a really tough guy. And, uh, man, I, I go to bed, and I've already fought in Chandler a thousand times in my head, and I can see me finishing him on the feet or, you know, submitting him. But at the same time, I also see us going a five-round bloody war, you know. So 
um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good fight. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah, but you know, the, the submission, knockout, decision. What do you What do you think based on what you know about you and what you know about? I him? mean, I hate to call it, but uh, yeah, yeah, man. My jiu-jitsu and my ground game is awesome, and I feel like I could definitely submit this guy. But at the same time, man, uh, you know, when I was an amateur, my first three or four fights, I was knocking guys out in less than 10 seconds. You know, I know I got a, a, a mean right hand, and uh, if, if I catch him with it, good night, Chandler. Yeah. Well, Brent, thanks a lot, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. And there you have it, my conversation with Brent Primus. We were sitting down at Gracie Baja at 8506 Southeast Foster Road in Portland, and this was a great place to record because the place was filled with world-class fighters like Chael Sonnen, Ed Herman, Ian Loveland, Dave Jansen, Ricky Simone, Carson Fry, and a whole list of other high-level athletes from the area. So as an MMA fan, it was a great atmosphere, and I highly recommend checking the gym out for sure. For the optimistic spin segment of the show, I just want to highlight some of the lessons that we can learn from Brent. No matter how much life feels like it's taking you in a, in a less than optimal direction, with enough grit and determination, you're more than likely to be able to course correct to some degree and find a path that leads you to a more meaningful and fulfilling life. I want to congratulate Brent on soon to becoming a father and for the opportunity to fight for this belt on such a big night at Madison Square Garden of all places. So be sure and uh, order the fight on pay-per-view and support your local challengers, both Brent and Chael. Thank you for listening and please tune in next time and please be sure and check out the website at cafemedium.com where you can find links to all the episodes as well as links to our affiliates including uh, Urban Creatives who designed the brand identity for Cafe Medium and DJ Sacralicious who produced the soundtrack to the show as well as James Dunbar, our current featured local artist whose work can be found on the homepage. <laughs>